As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey folks, welcome into On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I'm Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. We're here to talk uh, Cubs, you know, things done and things undone, things said and unsaid. Uh, very dramatic, very dramatic episode of On to Waveland. Who got the rose? Who didn't get a rose? Um, so obviously we are recording this, uh, it's Friday after the deadline. So it's a few days after the trade deadline. And I got to tell you, when I was thinking about our recording schedule and looking ahead to the deadline, uh, my brain wasn't there when the deadline itself was happening. Cause you're, you're so caught up in the moment. But, uh, when I was thinking in advance, I was like, oh man, it's kind of a bummer that we're not going to be recording until so, you know, we're recording right before the deadline and then kind of after it by a bit, we won't really you know, things will be sort of stale by the time we're digging into it. But the way it actually played out, I'm kind of glad we do have distance from it because I think while I had useful thoughts to share the day of the deadline and then the day after, I think I, speaking only for myself, I'm in a much better place of like sort of comprehensive understanding about what happened, what didn't, why and why, and all that kind of stuff with some more distance. So I think, uh, again, speaking only for myself, I feel much more equipped to speak thoughtfully about the deadline than I might have been in the immediate moment, which I think speaks to the emotion of that day that actually extended back to the week before and what animated the emotion in the first place that we saw at Wrigley Field with Wilson Contreras and Ian Happ sort of saying their farewells because there was an expectation by everybody that a trade, at least for Wilson Contreras, was going to happen. And so, you know, it almost was a bookend to it that you had hugs that he was staying. So that's that's the big news in the Cubs world this week. And 
you know, I hate to set it up so generically for you guys, but, you know, let's just talk a bit about what it means that uh, trade didn't happen, why it didn't happen, and then what what that uh, yields going forward. Yeah, before we we talk about the actual fallout, I, I think it's 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 too bad Jed Hoyer has no access to the media or or anybody to to pull pour cold water on all these rumors that we started on our own. It's all our fault that Wilson Contreras was sure he was going to be traded, and if only Jed Hoyer had the ability to say, you know what, guys, maybe don't go crazy with the rumors. Maybe he won't be traded or or said anything like that to calm us all down. Well, it, it can I been, ask it, what it's too bad? Well, what <laughs> would be the downside of that? Like I because I, I did try to think, you, you know, instinctively, I'm like, well, you know, you just you don't say anything. You just keep it mum. And, and maybe you say something in house like, hey, here's a heads up that this might not happen. That's kind of a separate issue. But like publicly. I do try to think like what is the downside of the Cubs putting out a message sort of exactly like you said that's just hey yeah. just remember these things don't I mean, always I'm happen. I'm just giving him a hard time right I'm just messing around because it, I think it's silly to say like this is the media's fault like the media built it up but I, I'm not sure what the downside is to that right uh, they they didn't say much before last deadline and I think everyone was was kind of taken aback that they did trade all three right so yeah i guess it was the logical conclusion but jed hoyer's own words after last deadline kind of made it seem like this was the obvious thing to do and it's not like he wasn't trying his damnedest to move those guys right like the only reason it, it well you you put it very well in your question to him after the deadline passed which was hey wasn't this you know a missed opportunity right because right? what he said don't waste a crisis and wasn't this a missed opportunity so let's let's focus right. on that part for a moment because then then i'll move to mooney you also asked i thought i it, this isn't just because we're podcast uh podcast buddies here guys i did think you guys asked the two questions that were foremost in my mind so we'll get to yours in a moment mooney because it's it's a pretty good follow on this but for yours sahadev it, it i know the answer right. to this i know what jed said but maybe not everybody listening does what was the answer to didn't you waste this yeah it, his basic answer which uh he he paused and had to think about because i think he wanted to use his words carefully there but uh basically saying you know he didn't get the offer that was that uh, compelled him to make that move right there there's there's uh we've i've talked to uh you know, team president or uh, heads of baseball ops before. And, and a lot of them feel you don't just, just because it's the obvious thing to move a guy, like it's the right move to move Wilson Contreras at the deadline, right? Forget what happened in the past. Same thing. We've talked about it for last deadline. It would have been the right move, but you don't just move them if you don't get the value that you're looking for. I, I get that concept, right? You have to figure out what's the value. What's a, what, uh, what can it do to a clubhouse? What can it do to your reputation as an executive? All those different things that that may not fans may not factor uh, take into account or even us may not take into account. Uh, it, essentially, he just didn't get the offer. The market wasn't what they expected it to be or hoped it to be. Uh, teams weren't being bold like AJ Preller normally is. I think I'd like to know more. I, I you know over the coming weeks, I think we will know more. But the bottom line is, I think there's there's a chance that 
they may not have read or uh, played the market perfectly uh, like they, they, they played it. It all fell into place last year. It just didn't this year. I think Juan Soto is a big reason for that. AJ Preller is one of those uh, front office execs, uh, the rare ones that isn't afraid to look foolish because he gave up some prospect to win now. Uh, if he, if, if Juan Soto wasn't available, maybe a big deal would have come into place with the Padres, or maybe they could have played the Padres against other teams. I think once the Padres fell out, other teams also felt like, well, I'm not meeting that price. There's no reason to, you're going to buckle, not me. And neither side budged and, and it ended up how it did. Right. I, I think the Mets probably needed players like that. The Cubs have to really go in on, on a season like this, when you have, Max Scherzer, who's getting older, when when you have Jacob Degrom, who's opting out, in all likelihood, you, you want to maximize this season. So it's a little perplexing on their end, but obviously nobody was willing to pay the price. And and you know I think there's all sorts of factors there, but I think the biggest one is the Padres and Preller. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the blame the media angle because I was kind of stunned that came out because, you know. Jed and Carter rarely travel with the major league club on the road. They're rarely around during batting practice. They did not really keep Wilson in the loop on this. I mean, he Wilson is a very sharp observer of the game and business of baseball. And for months he was expecting this. And I guess I do give Jed credit for not spinning this as like, this was our plan all along. They do not plan to build around him. Uh, I guess an, uh, an outcome of this is that they can leverage his free agency and you know get a draft pick. But even that um, is not as valuable as having a guy right now. I mean, information is king. And wouldn't you rather be making that decision off a guy who's been in professional baseball for a couple of years versus an educated guess in 2023 on some high school kid or a college pitcher who's coming off Tommy John. Uh, we saw Caleb Killian last year coming over from the Chris Bryant trade, uh, excelling in the Arizona Fall League, uh, spending time around this really unique program they had for prospects for, that lasts the entire length of the offseason. Killian, I don't think, was there the entire time because of his innings workload. But the, if the Cubs are so great at player development, have all these you know uh, shiny new toys and um, things like that, you'd want that guy right now uh, versus waiting to sign him almost exactly a year later, this theoretical draft pick. Well, to add to that, here's a concern that I may not have had before the deadline, but certainly the way it played out, I think, I just think people are not being realistic if they don't raise this as a concern. That draft pick is not guaranteed. Uh, It is only available to the Cubs if they make the qualifying offer, if Wilson rejects the qualifying offer, and then if he signs a free agent contract thereafter uh, with a team that knows it is going to lose uh, some some draft pick uh, volume for signing him. And if the interest in him at the deadline was sufficiently tepid that the Cubs couldn't even get, you know, half of what they got last year for their, their rentals. Cause I think that's, they would have taken that deal. That's just my opinion. But uh, if they couldn't even get that, that signals a market 
that was not bluffing when the word was circulating about the concerns about him as a catcher. That tells me that's very legitimate. Now, it's it's a little bit different in the middle of the season than in the offseason. Get that. Right. Totally grant that. But, I mean, we've seen catchers traded in season. And even if it depresses the value a little bit, there would have been an acceptable offer if if the interest was as high as we thought. And so then you look ahead and you're like, isn't there a chance that if the Cubs make that qualifying offer, now this is predicated on health the rest of the way, typical performance the rest of the way, et cetera, et cetera. If the Cubs make that qualifying offer, you know, isn't there a chance that in that intervening seven days that Contreras and his agent read the market and they're like, man, you're at risk of being one of those guys who gets crushed by the qualifying offer. Because didn't we just learn last offseason that the Cubs valued remember when we were talking about this and I don't know it might have been one of you guys that reported it might have been you Mooney that the Cubs valued the loss of their second round pick and the pool money and the IFA money at about 20 million dollars now imagine if like market rate on Wilson Contreras is 60 million guarantee you know little little more around the Yasmani Grandal contract if he just gets hit with $20 million ding, I mean, I don't know, guys. There's a chance that he and his agent look at the market and say, maybe accepting that qualifying offer is our best move. So I did not, I'm I'm not saying I'm dismissive of the whole thing about like, well, the the qualifying offer created a floor uh, for that we needed to exceed and trade. Uh, I just think, I think there might have to be a little more creativity on the part of the Cubs and maybe Wilson Contreras' camp to figure out what actually is the best path forward now. I think things changed a lot. I I completely agree with the, what you said there. I think uh, there's a segment of Cub fans that uh, understandably love Wilson Contreras and refuse to accept that he's a flawed catcher. And the way the game is going you don't spend 25 million a year on a 30 year old catcher that's not elite defensively you may not even do that with one that's elite defensively because it's just it's a lot of money to invest in that position is it, do you, our team straying away from offense upside catchers no not if you're on a rookie deal it's great to draft a guy like that it's great to develop a guy like that it's great to have a guy like that in your system but very few of the best teams in baseball are paying that. And go look at the ones that are paid. JT Real Muto, Yasmani Grandal, uh, Sal Perez. How are they doing offensively? And how is the wear and tear affecting their defense? Uh, so it's it, it's not it, – it's just uh, – as much as Wilson Contreras may be valued offensively, He's not the direction the game is going uh, for catching defensively. Now, if you're talking about a one-year deal for whatever that is at the qualifying offer, and he ends up a Cub next year, that he ends up taking that, is that a bad scenario, really, for the Cubs if you're hoping for them to win in 2023? I mean, it, yes, we're, we're seeing that he wasn't valued at the deadline. That's really – that's not ideal for the Cubs. Uh, it, it, he wasn't valued at least how they valued him and what they wanted in return, right? And that wasn't ideal for what they're trying to do. But if he's going to be DH, first base maybe, and an occasional catcher for them next year on a one-year deal, I don't think that's a worst-case scenario for them. Well, you as just long hit as they it. treat not to. What, you what, just hit it right there. It's how he would be used. 
now. Right. Now knowing what we know and thinking about, well, if if it's his presence and his bat, if those are the things that the Cubs love so much, well, if he comes back, then use those and do what you want right. behind the plate otherwise. A hundred percent. That's And I think that's what they need to do. They need to, if they can... Obviously, if they extend the qualifying offer, those seven days will be key, right? They, there needs to be some talk about, hey, if you accept this, this is the role that we want you to take on. Uh, this is, you know, you're not going to be catching the, uh, you know, this many innings or, or be our main catcher. Or, and, and we're going to maybe pursue another catcher. So you'd basically be our third option and maybe you'd catch every fifth day, whatever it is. I'm throwing, I, I, I don't know what their plans are there. There's a lot to play out here. I'm just saying that they, it's clear that he's not a great defensive catcher. So to just, to just put him in that role and say, pay the guy and give him five years uh, because he's a great offensive catcher. It's just not how the game works anymore. Uh, that's not to say he, he's not a great offensive player and wouldn't be valuable to this team if, if given a certain role. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I do think it's funny how sometimes teams, you know, the Cubs among them, try to talk themselves into these long shot, has been, maybe prospect, take a flyer guys. And then when you have something in hand like Wilson, who, and we've all talked about this before, and particularly at this deadline, that Wilson is not an elite framer or maybe a top 1% game caller. And we've all seen he's an emotional guy who voices his opinions and maybe that will occasionally uh, rub some people the wrong way but he's a really hard worker behind the scenes he cares he gives maximum effort every single day you see him and a player like Christopher Morrell how he uh, has helped him you know exhale take a deep breath take in the moment uh, and perform and I think sometimes with these players and we did it uh, we meaning everyone, whether it was Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez, when you see these guys all the time, day after day after day, it's a lot easier to kind of nitpick and look at those things and rationalize your way out of committing to anything. But when you look across the game, like how many good two-way catchers exist? I mean, there's... A handful, maybe? Can you count them on one hand? I mean, like this is a really rare talent the Cubs have, and you know, I'm with you guys. I think it wouldn't be a bad outcome, strangely, if he does come back as this kind of hybrid, versatile player, 
and they'll give themselves this, you know, it'll probably be a wider path to the postseason next year than they gave themselves this year, but it still won't will be somewhat narrow. And we do this dance again with Wilson uh, next year. Should he take the qualifying offer or they take a step back here and try and uh, work on that long-term deal, taking all these factors into account. And that certainly wasn't what they planned when they woke up on August 2nd, but here we are and they're going to have to uh, adapt. Yeah. They, um, it is, it would be funny to know at what point in that process as everything was meshing together. Cause we know, we know there was a relate some relationship between what was happening with the Padres and Soto and the Mets and the bullpen moves and the Red Sox making decisions, yay or nay. You just wonder at what point the Cubs front office knew we're not going to be able to do our uh, best laid plans. And uh, they too are probably running through all of these scenarios that we're talking about now. And so, you know, for now, it uh, just behooves everyone that Wilson Contreras feels better, feels more settled. He certainly looked happy and strong in St. Louis. Um, Let's talk a bit about the deals the Cubs did make. So they dealt uh, from the bullpen, as expected. Uh, maybe one more guy than was expected. Scott F. Ross going to the Yankees for Hayden Wisniewski, a, a true starting pitching prospect. A deal that didn't see coming, but in hindsight, makes a lot of sense. Because if the Cubs believe they can help generate players like F. Ross, um, but are lacking in true upper level starting pitching prospects with upside well you make that you make that switch um and then obviously chris martin michael givens and david robertson each going out zach mckinstry coming in for the cubs on martin we talked about him in the last episode but uh robertson going to the phillies for ben brown really nice breakout pitching prospect a lot like wasneski big hard throwing um two fastballs hard slider Bit of a bit of a type uh, the Cubs have been trying to accumulate, and then Saul Gonzalez, uh, a relief prospect for Michael Givens. Any, you know, any thoughts, comments on the Cubs' moves, especially in tandem with a draft that saw them, you know, take seventeen pitchers and three position players. Yeah, a few thoughts. I mean, uh, reports I'm getting on both the pitchers on Brown and Wisniewski are, are pretty good, you know, and, and I know the Cubs really like both of them. Wisniewski, I think I like the fact that he's triple A. He, he's going to be uh, in the rotation soon or competing for the rotation soon, right? Small chance we see him this year in the big leagues. Maybe he gets up and, and uh, he needs to be added to the 40 man anyways uh, in the off season. So perhaps, we see him. Perhaps we see Killian again. Uh, we'll see what the final two months hold there. But it's it, they see him as a rotation piece on a winning team, uh, not the front of the rotation. But he's a he's a, another depth piece. These these players that they just didn't have for years, and now they finally have some in Steele and Keegan, and and they're they're acquiring them via trade. They're they're drafting them. Hopefully they they can continue to develop them, and 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 you're not spending money on Jason Hamill and and Tyler Chatwood. Uh, you can use the the free agent market to get the stars if if you're not developing those guys. Uh, but 
but you really don't want to be using the free agent market for middle rotation guys, back end rotation guys, uh, if you don't have to. And then Ben Brown it sounds like someone that uh, the Cubs, uh, along with many teams, kind of went you know really aggressive with uh, with scouting. Po- once scouting opened up again, post uh, the, I mean once the pandemic hit and scouting was shut down, right? Uh, once it opened up again and, and scouts were allowed back in the park, they went super aggressive with minor leaguers in spring training, and Brown was. They they watched hundreds of guys, right? And Brown was one of like five where they were like, if we can find a way to get this guy, let's get this guy. He's he's in the midst of breaking out, and they feel like he's he's still breaking out. Like it's not he's not done. And and you said they have a type, they do because those are the types of things that they feel they can add to, like that power fastball, that power slider. They feel they can add a bit of touch. They can add like the 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 pitch that uh, kind of complements uh, those pitches. I thought it was interesting. I I asked Carter Hawkins yesterday, who came from a very good Cleveland organization that has has done a brilliant job developing pitching over the years. I asked him what he thought about the pitching development, and then if anything stands out about what they do well. And and he said there's there's kind of if you want to break it down very simply, there's two things you can do in pitching development, right? how the ball moves after it comes out of your hand and how the body moves. Those are the things you can kind of work on there. He says they're great. This, this group right now is really good at how the ball moves after it comes out of the hand, really uh, improving that and doing work on that. Uh, And, and I think that's, that's interesting when you talk about the pitchers that they have been targeting both draft and, and in, uh, and in trades, because if, if they can add something to all of these guys, each of these guys, that then you just you, you're finally talking about a system that's developing pitching and and really uh, adding to the rotation through their system instead of just spending all this money and then ending up in the situations they were in in 18 and 19 and, and even 20. I mean, this to me sets up what we'd already been talking about, the idea of they need a number one type starter and it's not going to be Joe Musgrove because he signed his extension. Uh, And maybe I'm reaching too much here, but I did wonder if the comp pick you'd get with Wilson signing elsewhere would help you stomach uh, the draft pick you'd have to give up and the bonus pool money to sign someone like Carlos Rodon, right? I mean, or Jacob DeGrom. Or or Jacob (laughs) DeGrom. (laughs) <laughs> why why not you know i mean or both <laughs> yeah. i mean why stop there and then maybe trade all your all these guys you've acquired for one year of otani and then you're all set oh, oh. <laughs> you're getting uh, bread all hot i don't know if I, can fin- I don't know if i can finish this podcast guys oh god but i will give a shout out to a colleague tim Britton, who wrote about the mets as we're kind of you know, looking back on the deadline here, he led with uh, Theo Epstein's, you know, line of if not now, when? And, you know, the Mets GM, Billy Epler, kind of looking at it and giving, you know, the New York media a math lesson on, you know, <laughs> taking out, you know, one percentage point, adding one percentage point this year could would take away one percentage point each year, year after that. And as Tim wrote, you know, he said, You'll pay more for an umbrella if it's raining right now. I mean, you, context matters. And if you have DeGrom healthy, if you have Scherzer healthy, if your team as a whole has been healthy, 
how can you not do more? And obviously Wilson um, is the one we've all talked about here and it's still, you know, I get why, why Jed thought they'd blink. You know, they did the year before they have all these factors lining up and catcher is just one of those positions. Like all it takes is one foul tip and like, you know, Scherzer's catcher's gone. Then what are you going to do? You know? And um, to me, when you're a team in New York set up like that with, you know, this great manager um, who has what not won the world series, but gets the team right there, like give them that piece and go try to win in New York. It was just, um, you know, if it was stunning to us, I can only imagine uh, how Jed felt like when he, you know, put his laptop down or put his phone down at the end of the night and being like, really, Mets? Like, really? <laughs> you know, uh, one, yeah, one be... quick thing, if we're uh, like, I, these quotes uh, from the team presidents and, and talking about, uh, oh, 1% this and 1% in the future, you take away from the future. I, I Friedman is is the best at building teams, right? And now he he's with a team in the Dodgers who he he knows how to build a team with money or without money. He's 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 showing us that. And his point, uh, I think, it was at last deadline was essentially. I, I wish I had the exact quote, but the the basic premise was, yeah, you overpay at times like this, and guess what? That's how you win a World Series. It's worth it. It's worth it to overpay right now to get that ring. That's the basic premise of what he says. He said it much better than I'm saying it right now, but that's the point. Go, yes, Theo said, if not now, when his point is, yeah, I'm gonna overpay for this because I want a ring. I want to win a ring. So go do that. Go overpay. Let let other fans or media members stress out about the the prospect capital you you may have lost and and cry about Glaber Torres in in 2018. You have that 2016 ring. And and I I agree. The Mets missed an opportunity, and it has nothing to do with just the Cubs. It just has to do with the Mets missing an opportunity there. And I think I think that's. Uh, that if you're a fan of that team, that that has to be frustrating when you know the situation they're in. God, I hope they flame out in the first round. <laughs> uh, all right, we'll leave it there. Everybody listening to this hates the Mets, so that's that's just a beautiful <laughs> place to to end it. Uh, this is on to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at the Athletic. I am Brett Taylor. You can catch my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That's Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Theirs, of course, is at the Athletic. We hope you all have a wonderful weekend and we'll be back at you next week to talk. You know, we're going to have to transition back to a little more like on-field baseball stuff. There's, It is uh, not inaccurate to say the Cubs still have quite a bit of evaluation to do the rest of the way. So there is, there actually is some substantial meaning the rest of the way for the Cubs, even though we're past the deadline, they're not competitive, yada, yada. But I actually do like this time of year. So uh, I'll be into talking about all that good stuff. You're pumped for uh, more Nick Madrigal at bats, aren't you? (laughs) Why you got to end like that? Why you got to, you know? No, hey. I Sorry. I am, I would not. He's already hurting from the Hosmer trade possibility evaporating right in front of his eyes. You know, he had his Hosmer Cubs jersey ready to go in the cart. No, it's it's. Padres prospect jersey. That's that was oh, what okay, was on okay. the, on the back. It's like kicking but, uh, him when he's yeah. down, Sada. Come on. <laughs> no, I mean I think all I would say to that is it is probably useful for the Cubs to get a lot of at bats for Nick Madrigal the rest of the way and have some additional information. Uh, yeah, I I think it would have been fine if he were still at Iowa getting those at bats and getting settled in, but we'll just 
we'll let the Cubs do as they will. And we'll talk about it next week uh, after he is on a six or seven game hitting streak without question. So you all take care and uh, goodbye. Goodbye.